There's a whole universe out there, Steve. The totally unknown.
You are listening to All Together Now. Test out at home here on Mixler.com. I'm Jose Knuckle Dragger. The last two hours, I've been bringing you the best in beats, is located here in the Happy Valley. It is five minutes after 12 here in the Testone studio, a.k.a. my kitchen. And, um, boy, did we have quite a ride this evening. Uh, we, uh, You know, I should probably write down that last track because that was actually a <clears throat> moment of... Um, uh, what's the word I want here? Uh, I don't want to say inspiration, but uh, improvisation. Because I actually had something else planned, but that one fit, and I hadn't played it in a while, and I was feeling like a monkey, so I found a way to work it in. Uh, but we did, in fact, start with a bunch of songs that I did, for the most part, with almost uh, no exception, in fact, have planned to play this evening. Uh, beginning with Makeup and Vanity Sex Sets, excuse me, not Sect, uh, Collapse which is taken from the album 8888, which came out back in 2012. Um, I say this every time I play anything off this album, which is quite good, by the way. Uh, Makeup and Vanity set is one fella. His name is Matthew uh, Pusty. Um, he is an insanely prolific synthwave artist from Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville is a bit of a hotbed of music, of course, most famous for country and western and all that jazz um but there is actually quite a big underground electronic music scene there um the name 8888 is derived from a um, vcr that uh hasn't had its clock set uh very early 1988 or 80s style or maybe a microwave oven but i honestly think he was going for um uh more of a video aesthetic there uh, unfortunately 88 which is too innocent numbers next to each other has been uh, co-opted by white supremacists because um, H is the eighth letter of the alphabet and 88 is HH aka High Hitler because bigots ruined goddamn everything. Um, but I assure you he was not saying High Hitler twice with the name of that album. Um, Fold Makeup and Vanity set with uh, Aver... I had to really work on this one. Um, Averon. Uh, it's... Uh, called Invisible Friends, and it is the flip side from the two-track single uh, Locked Room, which I don't know if it got a physical release, but it's a web release that came out about a year ago in May of 2020 on Cosmic Leaf Records, which is, as I always like to say, about the best thing going on in Greece right now, musically. Um, Everon is a Greek, actually, and that's significant because a lot of the artists on Cosmic Leaf are not. His name is uh, uh, Nikolaos uh, Petris. He mostly produces Psytrance, which is not of much interest to me, but of course is quite large in Greece and in other parts of Europe. Um, but he does uh, some occasional down-tempo business under the name uh, Everon, and that's what we had there. Uh, actually, it's a case where I prefer the uh, B-side, and of course, B-side here is metaphorical. It's a two-track flak release, so it is as much a two-piece... Uh, two-sided piece of vinyl uh, as uh, exactly nothing, but I still think of it as the A-side and the B-side. Um, Invisible Friends, I prefer that far more than the title track, Locked Room. Uh, we followed Averon with uh, Magic Sound Fabric that was uh, Photonic uh, Phonic, which is from the uh, release um, Uplift Drift that came out all the way back in 2002. Magic Sound Fabric is a... Um, fellow named Cameron. Um, I'm not sure what country he's from because uh, his uh, last name is Limbrick, but um, 
Apparently, it's also uh, Cameron uh, Akunaton, and I'm not sure which is his real name, to be honest. Um, he put out a pile of out, well, about five albums in the last uh, 20 something years. He did all on uh, the same label, Spiral Light, which is a label I know nothing about. It's a down tempo label that's been around for bloody ages. Uh, their earliest releases were all the way back in uh, 1998, including actually the debut release is by Spiral Light um, called Unfold, which came out in um, uh, 1998. On, he followed that up a year later with uh, Tone Cone. Then the one I have, Uplift Drift, from 2002. I have to say it's the only album I have by him, and I only got it quite recently, which is to say I have been sleeping on um, Magic Sound Fabric's catalog for the majority of its existence, and that's just because there is so much music out there, even someone like myself who spends entirely too much amount of time wading through it, I'm going to miss large pieces of it. <clears throat> it's just a mathematical... Um, uh, well, whatever the op possibility, the opposite of an impossibility, surety. Uh, we followed Magic Sound Fabric with Azure Taint. That was Funky Elements, which is actually the title track from the album that came out all the way back in 2000. Azure Taint is a German fella named Kai uh, Michel. I believe it's Michel. I don't think it's Mikkel. I'm not sure. So the only album he's actually done under that name um, on the Mighty Electrolux label. He did do one single in uh, 2005, and then a couple years, well, three years ago at this point, he did an EP uh, web release on a completely different label called Innocence, which I still haven't been able to find because the information age is tricky for things like that. Uh, Photos Your Taint with Goloka, that was Overdrive, which is from the album Afterglow, which came out back in 07. Um, strange album because it's actually credited as Mr. Haywood Presents Goloka. I don't know why. I just, the version I have just says Goloka. Thank you very much. Um, Goloka is, uh, uh, a Polish lady with the name, um, bear with me here, uh, Kazia, uh, Wojcie, it's, I'll spell it for you, W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-O-W-S-K-A, you got me, um, she is, uh, quite a looker, I think she actually works as a model, but she also sings vocals on, uh, Goloka, um, which is in turn produced by Pete Hayward, and of course, Pete Hayward is Mr. Haywood in Mr. Haywood Presents Galoka. I don't know why they did that. Uh, <clears throat> very good uh, vocal heavy, but not annoyingly so. Uh, Down-tempo album that uh, turns into nearly deep house, if you will. They've only done that one album back in 07. They did a, a number of singles uh, before and after. Nothing in about 10 years, though, and boy, we could use another album by them. Fogaloka with The Dining Rooms, the Italian duo that was, <clears throat> excuse me, Existentialism Milano Dub Mix, which is from their album Trey, which came all the way back in 2003. I cannot believe that album is 18 years old. Um, it is uh, the first album they had uh, after uh, the uh, their first record label, um, uh, Guidance Recordings in the United States went bankrupt, and I distinctly remember I bought uh, Numero uh, Do when it came out in 2001 and um, had a devil of a time finding Trey because it had miserable distribution in the United States. Followed the dining rooms with Sounds from the Ground. That was Wicked Flow. So that is from their album uh, Through the Ages, which came out uh, in late 09, about 11 and a half years ago. Sounds on the Ground is a... Uh, pair of fellows from the UK who have been at it for bloody ages. Their first album came all the way back in 1995, though it got 
wide distribution in 96 when it got picked up by Waveform in the United States. And they since then have produced uh, nearly 20 albums. And the reason I say nearly is that there's a couple instances where there's a separate album, which is in fact nearly identical combination of tracks, but one is the U.S. release and one is the um, uh, U.K. release, usually, which came out first. And they have different names and different cover art, but it's effectively the same music, minus a track or two. Not necessarily their fault. Record labels have a nearly infinite inability to muck things up. Uh, but it does make collecting them... Uh, <clears throat> Something of a pain in the ass. Um, as I always say when I play for Track with Sounds on the Ground is that um, they have done a lot of wonderful music over the last 25 plus years. But they um, are not above packing some filler onto their releases. And I have long maintained that um, they would do well to leave some things in the cutting room floor. Uh, that said, that track right there is a lot of fun. And that actually marks the first time I've played it on um, this particular show, even though it came out almost a dozen years ago. Falls out of the ground with Niaz. That was uh, Alahi Allah, the Carmen Rizzo remix. Now, let's see if we can think about that song, besides the fact that it came out back in 06. That's actually the track that got me into Carmen Rizzo. Uh, Niaz is a group from, um, I think, the UK. Uh, it's uh, They're not native uh, Brits, oddly enough. Uh, Azam Ali. Um, <clears throat> uh uh, Ramen uh, Torkine and, uh, uh, well, they've had a couple different vocalists. Um, but they uh, have released almost all their material on uh, Six Degrees Records, which I'm not even sure is around anymore. Their most recent album was 2015, also on Six Degrees. And uh, they're not bad, um, but the standout uh, version of the Nia's remixed EP is absolutely that rework by Carmen Rizzo, which is how I discovered him, and that led to me collecting a pile of his albums. Well, he's only put out four, but I grabbed all of them, and a bunch of other remixes by him, and some of his solo work I actually like better than that particular remix. Uh, followed Nia's with Mortal, and there are a lot of artists named Mortal, so bear with me here. That was Mentor Low Flying, odd name for a track. That is from their album Deco, which came out all the way back in 1997. This particular mortal, and there of course are a bunch of artists with this name, is an instrumental-only side project from the crew known as Code. Now, if you've been listening to the show with rapt attention for quite some time, you know I have a bit of a fixation with a collective known as Code. They're from the north of England. They put out one album in 1995 called The Architect. It has a lot of great stuff on it, particularly the song No Resistance, which is one of my favorite pieces of music that sits somewhere between early UK rave and oh, I don't know, vocal-driven uh, industrial dance, but is more chill than either of those. It's really a fantastic piece of cross-pollination from a lot of different uh, electronic music scenes that were going in and out of focus in the early 1990s, though the album itself is from 1995. Um, Code put out uh, a handful of EPs in the early 90s, starting in 92 and nothing after 95. And then 25 years later, last year, in the middle of COVID, out of nowhere, they dropped a new album called Ghost Ship, and it's a web release meeting that people like me can get at without going crazy. Um, I have not properly digested that album. Stay tuned over the fullness of time. I'll be playing some tracks on it in the show, but it could be quite some time because there's often a bottleneck. Witness the song I just played that came out um, nearly a dozen years ago that I played for the first time this evening. Um, with that said, uh, I uh, was fortunate enough to get myself a copy of Deco, which was quite hard to find. Not necessarily expensive. It's not one of these 
90s cult releases that sells for fortune. It's just there aren't that many. Not that many people are selling it and finding clean copies a pain in the ass. Um, they did re-release it uh, as part of their um, uh, promotion for the new Code album as a web release. And that's actually not what I have. I picked up the CD a while ago. Um, and it is oddball mid to late 90s UK chilled out electronics. It's got some influence from trip hops from, from early UK rave. Uh, obviously, they were listening to what was happening with some UK techno artists at that point. I mean, genuine techno at that point, uh, like uh, Christian Slater. Uh, but it's all fairly sedate and quirky, as is generally true for most of the music by the uh, Code crew. Now, of course, there are a lot of different artists named Mortal, including at least one metal band. Um, but for some reason, and I don't know why this is, if you go on Discogs and you type in an artist name, um, there could be between one and, I don't know, <clears throat> several dozen instances of that artist, depending on what their name is. This Mortal is the first one, um, <clears throat> which is significant primarily because, uh, we'll say less than fully informed would-be contributors to Discogs cheerfully keep adding releases to this entry for Mortal, which have nothing to do with it. And um, one of my uh, few remaining activities where I contribute to Discogs in a meaningful fashion is keeping tidy the entries for artists that I like. Easy examples are Mortal, Code, and Patchwork, Jens Paulson's project. Um, <clears throat> with that said, I think that might actually be the first time I've played certainly that song, but maybe anything by Mortal on uh, this show, at least in the modern era. I'd have to go back to some ancient set list to see if I played it in the CD era. I'm not sure. Followed Mortal with uh, the Metaluna Mutant that was Blinky Blue-Eyed Sunrise. Blue-Eyed two words, because why not? Is Blue-Eyed normally two words? I don't know. I think of it as being hyphenated. Um, that is a uh, one-off uh, from Michael Woods. Uh, Michael Wood, singular. Uh, who is a uh, fellow who records under a bunch of different names. Um, came out all the way back in 1995. It's a fairly obscure 12-inch uh, on a label I'm not super familiar with. I got a copy of it a long time ago, but I actually didn't play a vinyl release for fairly obvious reasons. Fortunately, that mix that I played tonight is on a bunch, and I do mean a bunch, of um, uh, down-tempo compilations. Significantly, the mid-90s Café Del Mar's second iteration, sometimes written as Café Del Mar Volume 2, or Volume and Dose, depending on which version you find, um, which I got my hands on a very long time ago, uh, and I haven't discovered that track towards the end of his second-to-last song. Uh, and you know what? It's pretty good. Uh, we followed the Meta Luna Mutant with Blackfish. That was Insight, which is from their debut album from 2001, Pole Navigation. I have discussed this album at great length. It is a fantastic example of that German take on downtempo, which is essentially downtempo as produced with the sonic palette and really honestly song format uh, in terms of the way it's assembled as um, minimal tech house, particularly as was Vogue at the turn of the uh, millennium. Fortunately, their songwriting and synthesis and really honestly more than anything ability to dial in just the right reverb means that it is actually far more than the sum of its parts we followed especially that album because the follow-up has some kind of regrettable vocals on it 
Followed Blackfish with Brian Ferry, who is not an artist you would expect to see on this show terribly often, or here, I should say. Brian Ferry, of course, is most famous as being, I think, the singer, uh, the frontman of Roxy Music in the 70s and maybe early 80s, um, and having a not insubstantial solo career on his own, doing glam rock and, I don't know, post-rock and whatever else you call it, um, generally putting on quite a show. Um <clears throat> Well, uh, about five years ago, he put out this sprawling set, which is now ludicrously expensive. The cheapest one for sale is $155 plus shipping on Discogs. This is crazy. 130 British pounds plus 50 uh, British pounds shipping because fuck you. Bringing the total to well over $200. Reason it's so expensive is that it is. A vinyl LP, uh, a 12-inch single, two CDs, and a DVD all in one massive unfolding booklet package. Um, I'll be real with you. I didn't buy the goddamn thing. I just pirated the part I I wanted because even when it was new, it was preposterously expensive and it's only gone up. Uh, But significantly, it has a bunch of really neat remixes including <clears throat> two by the Idjit Boys, and if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know I am a big fan of the Idjit Boys. They are a collective of uh, British fellows who make, <clears throat> well, initially in the uh, 1990s, they make big, bassy, in-your-face house music, which was okay, but not entirely my cuppa. And then after taking a really long hi- hiatus, they came back and have made some absolutely fantastic, incredibly melodic, spacious, um, deep house blending into down tempo and honestly at points practically ambient though it's like ambient constructed with a a house sonic palette uh and boy do i love that stuff but in addition to that there's a number of remixes by left side wobble now when this came out this massive like luxurious set of brian uh fairy material i was still uh following one mixmaster morris aka morris gould quite uh, closely on social media since then, by the way, in the last, I don't know, sometime during the COVID lockdown, uh, Mixmaster Morris completely disappeared from the primary um, uh, outlet where I was uh, following him. <clears throat> Honestly, that's okay. But we're not going to get into uh, Mixmaster Morris today. Uh, needless to say, uh, the man has been DJing for 40 years at this point. He knows an awful lot. Um, and the reason he's not more famous is some bad luck and some because every time he opens his mouth. With that said, uh, what I've observed is when he said something is good, he's almost invariably right. And at some point at that point in the um, uh, late uh, late 2015, he commented that Left Side Wobble was doing some of the best remixes he could think of at that point. And um, so when I found out that Left Side Wobble did two different remixes on this Brian Ferry set, I was sure to track it down. Uh, and you, you know, I don't know what it sounded like the original. I haven't even listened to the original, but that is definitely a fantastic remix there. I have a number of the remixes by Left Side Wobble that I quite like, and one which I have never been able to find, which I have heard in a set. It's a um, remix Left Side Wobble did of Mr. Steve Cobby, of all people, and boy, would I like to get my hands on that. Unfortunately, it's not as a band camp or anywhere else. I think it might be an exclusive. In any case, we followed Brian Ferry as remixed by Left Side Wobble with a Forest Mighty Black. That was everything, the vocal version, <clears throat> which is actually from the remix album, uh, Melodramatic Remix, which came out all the way back in 1998. Forest Mighty Black is Burned Kunz, um, 
who uh, is a German acid jazz down tempo, call him what you will, producer, uh, who records under a number of different names. Um, he was part of the law. No, he's part of the Lost Men still. Another group called the Flow. Uh, he did a lot of material on Compost Records, which was the German jazzy, quirky, left-field answer to Ninja Tune throughout the 1990s. Uh, he did two, well, he did an album. He did Melodramatic. It's mellow as in M-E-L-L-O-W, Dramatic, back in 1997 and followed up with a, I think, superior remix album in 98 called Melodramatic Remix. Um, and if he had did nothing else ever, he would be famous for many reasons, but even just one, the most significant, is on Melodramatic Remix, there's a version of Fresh in My Mind, which is called Hacienda's uh, Rainy Day Dub Mix, uh, which is done by an artist named Hacienda, which is, uh, actually, it's two dudes, two German fellas. Uh, they have put out a pile of down-tempo albums, which I, I honestly don't know too much about. I've sampled them, but I haven't dug too far into them. Um, their name, of course, is derived from the famous um, UK nightclub uh, of the 80s and early 1990s, which was home to all sorts of things, not the least of which was um, some uh, factory recording artists and um, also, you know, not directly, but, or, or entirely, but also the, you know, the birth of Acid House as we know it in the UK existed partially because of clubs like the Hacienda, and that's what their name is a, a reference to. Uh, that remix they did of um, <clears throat> Force Mighty Black's uh, Fresh in My Mind is one of the best piece of 90s downtempo ever. I remember at the time the British electronic music press used terms like Balearic which has to do with some islands like Ibiza or Ibiza, call it what you will, where music like that was often played, and they said it was the um, uh, the high point of Balearic music for 98 or something. I don't know whether that is true or true or not. It is an absolute timeless classic and has been featured on innumerable compilations. I've heard it in DJ sets of people who don't otherwise play down tempo. But there's a lot of other really good material that uh, Vern Kunz did under the name of Forest Mighty Black. Um including that version that I played tonight, which is the vocal version uh, with uh, uh, Deborah uh, Quinoa uh, um, just singing the hell out of it. Unfortunately, because the way I have to mix it in, she does all sorts of vocalization stuff in the beginning, but it's completely beatless, so I have the other track on top of it. So even with some futzing in EQ, you really can't hear most of that, which is a damn shame because it's some pretty good stuff in there. Um, <clears throat> last thing on Will Force Mighty Black, after uh, 16 years, he did a follow-up album in 2014, which I only picked up like two days ago because I just bothered. I knew it came out, but I only bothered to get a copy of it a couple days ago. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I still haven't listened to it. Be sure to tune into that sometime in the next 16 years. Final Force Mighty Black with Mandelo. That was Shomyo, which is from the Baramundi Records, which was a short-lived down-tempo Sublabel of Antler Subway. Now, Antler Subway was a Belgian acid house and hardcore techno label in the late 80s and early 90s, most famous for bringing the world Lords of Acid, which is not a subject we're going to get into today, but they were primarily known for over-the-top dance music during an era when there was an awful lot of that. They attempted to have a chill-out or after-hours, or call it what you will, label in the early 1990s, and it didn't fare too well, but a lot of good material got uh, stuffed onto the handful of compilations they did, including this one, which was actually the debut, came out in uh, early 94, and then got a re-release later um, 
in the U.S. in 96, because that's often how long we had to wait. And <clears throat> um, the significant thing about Barramundi is at that point, Antler, Antler Subway had a lot of clout. So they contacted a bunch of artists who were best known for making um, considerably more up-tempo dance music and said, hey, we're uh, producing an After Hours album. Can you guys contribute something more chill? So a lot of artists who otherwise did not produce down-tempo music cranked out one-offs or, you know, considerably more rare for them chill music. And that's the case with Mandelo here, which is um, a... Think, I think one's Belgian and the other might be, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, they put out um, a very in-your-face techno album in 94 and a handful of signals, uh, singles, excuse me. And um, then they put out, uh, they, they composed that track, Shomyo, uh, for uh, Baramundi, and then it got enough traction. They actually released a single with a bunch of remixes, which I think are, once again, more techno. It's been a very long time since I heard them. Uh, and that is definitely about as 90s as you can get right there. I mean, it works with what I was doing today, but um, it really sounds like a 90s idea of chill out. And that, for the most part, is a good thing. Uh, we followed Mandela with Young American Primitive. Speaking of 90s and chill out, you can't get more of that than this. That was Over and Out, which is from the debut Young American Primitive album, which is eponymous. Came out in early 93 on the mighty Zoe Magic Records, which is... <clears throat> One of the great West Coast, early 90s, um, bohemian electronic music labels. It was uh, run by uh, Wish FM, who was a, maybe still be, uh, a San Francisco era DJ who was dropping all sorts of crazy funky breaks and deeper excursions into, honestly, proto-trip hop uh, at uh, late 80s and early 1990s. Uh, he actually just uh, worked a lot under the name W for much of the 90s. He actually, the first um, DJ mix on CD I ever bought during the era in the second half of the 90s, and that was very much a thing, was under the name W. Then in uh, about 1999, uh, George W. Bush uh, entered the national um, consciousness as he was uh, running uh, for president, and, well, it's been kind of downhill since then, and Wish FN doesn't use the name W anymore. Um, that said, Zoe Magic has had all sorts of absolutely fantastic, absolutely timeless and classic releases on it, uh, from people like Young American Primitive Sim Single Cell Orchestra, um, Essa 3, less known but still excellent, um, and of course, uh, Michael Kandel himself, um, I have to look up which one it was under, uh, if I could spell Michael Kandel, uh, there we go. Um, I should say, say, Michael Kendall recorded under a host of names. My favorite one is Commander Mindfuck. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, he died, uh, actually, wow, it's been six years since he died. It feels like it was <clears throat> yesterday, in fact. Tranquility Bass, as in bass music, is the um, uh, name of, under which he is most famous. But he did... Uh, produced some music on Exodus Dance, and I don't remember what alias that he used that ended up on Zoe Magic. I'd have to spend 20 minutes on Discogs that I don't have right now. But the point here is that Zoe Magic was one of the best things going on in the United States in the early 1990s when it came to electronic music, and nobody knew about it. 
they um, the releases now, like for some example, you want to get the original pressing of Young American Primitive. You're going to be paying $65 plus shipping. Um, I was fortunate to get my uh, hands on a copy for less than 20 bucks during the, oh, I don't know, early 2000s when um, Young American Primitive was well known, but there was fewer copies had been uh, gobbled up by collector scum. Uh, that album, the first one, is an absolute classic. It sits somewhere <clears throat> between uh, early 90s, well, on, even though it was California, honestly, UK breakbeat rave, the scene that would eventually turn into UK hardcore that would eventually turn into jungle and drum and bass, but we're talking the early days of UK breakbeat, but also just more spaced out and chilled and full of oddball samples, which was quite common at the time. I mean, all sorts of electronic music artists, including Gear Jensen, used and honestly overused samples from uh, cheesy science fiction films from the 50s and 60s. But the ones in Young American Primitive are nothing short of sublime. And not only are they used very cleverly, but it's also he, as is so often the case, which elevates good electronic music to great, used just the right kind of a reverb and delay on them. The most famous song on there is, well, there's some debate over this, but I'm going to say that it is uh, Sunrise, which is a song that really you can't follow. I have ended sets with it, but I really don't like to mix other tracks on top of it because it just doesn't work for a variety of reasons. But what we heard today was Over and Out, which is one I have not played terribly often, um, but holds up quite well given the fact that it is, uh, what are we looking at? Um... Uh, 28 years old. <clears throat> Vald Young American Brood with Shiny Objects. That was When a Black Heart Turns Gold, the Rocket Empire mix. That is consider considerably much more modern. As a matter of fact, it ain't even on Discogs. Um, I believe that came out a couple years ago. Um, maybe I can find it on Bandcamp if I'm lucky. Uh, yes, I can. That came out May 2019, two years ago. And it definitely sounds like it. It's basically uh, dubby kind of minimal techno, except for it's like 106 BPM. Uh, followed Shiny Objects with Aural Float. That was Beautiful Someday, which is, if I am not mistaken, from the, it's the title track from 2005 album, which is the last album that Aural Float did uh, under that name. He did um, Introspectives in 95, Free Float in 2001, which is possibly or possibly not a reference to Free Float or the famous IDM album, and then Beautiful Someday in 2005, and he has done nothing since, like one um, PAL DVD came out in 07 on Electrolux, which is on Obtanium, and that's it. Um, real shame. The most significant thing about Oral Float is that it was, uh, several dudes, uh, but significantly it was Pascal Dardufus, best known as Pascal Fios, who died tragically a year ago of, um, some nasty form of cancer, I think intestinal maybe. Uh, follow Oral Float with Ibizar, Mr. Lenny Ibizar himself, that was the Eye of God which is from his Ambient Collection Volume 2 album, which came out back in 1998. Think about Lenny Ibizar. He is a um, uh, larger-than-life fella, uh, originally born in Copenhagen, Denmark, but having spent most of his life in Ibiza and all over the world, honestly. Um, about The thing about him is that he is a, I think, I don't know if he's trained, but he's certainly been a guitarist for many decades, and he is actually a um, a... And the strange thing is, a legitimate um, musician in his own right. He has actual musical chops, and it uh, comes through on what he does in a way that um, 
other electronic music composers don't, which is to say, when I listen to his music, I'm hearing melodies as written by someone who actually plays an instrument and doesn't just punch buttons on a sequencer or arrange sliders on music software. And I'm very much in the latter category because I don't even produce anything. Uh, and I really appreciate the musicianship uh, that he puts into his songs. He's not the world's greatest synthesis. He's not doing all sorts of just insane things with reductive synthesis and strange effects like Gear Jensen is or the absolute god of reverb and um, mastering that Ulf Relieb is. He's just a hell of a musician and it comes through in his works and that's the case right there uh, with that song, The Eye of God. Followed Ibizar with Deep Dive Corporation with arguably their title track that was Deep Dive, which is from their debut album, Support Your Local Groover, which came out all the way back in 2000. Deep Dive Corporation is a pair of fellas from... Um, Germany, there was originally a third dude, but he departed a very long time. Um, they came out of the German Psytrance scene. And while I have derided Psytrance at great length in this radio show and will continue to do so, the significant thing there is that uh, Psytrance has a wonderful, or at times wonderful, chill-out scene that exists right next to it. And while it doesn't undo the damage that Psytrance has done to my soul, uh, there's a lot of stuff in that scene that I greatly appreciate. And significantly, a Deep Dive Corporation, who have been at it for f over 20 years at this point, have put out a pile of albums, and there is some fantastic stuff on every single one. Uh, their most significant thing, besides just consistently quality uh, songwriting, is that they have a lot of stuff with acoustic guitar in it, because one of them plays, and it comes through in their music, giving it a sound unlike a lot of uh, their contemporaries and counterparts. Fall Deep Dive Corporation with Zero Cult, that was The Sea and the Rain which is from their album Where the River Has No Name, which came out back in 2010. However, I don't have the 2010 version. I have the 2016 reissue, which is on the Mighty Cosmic Leaf when they did a flack reissue of it. Uh, Zero Cult is uh, a Israeli uh, fella named uh, Emil Ilyayev. Um, he has put out, as so is the case with Sideshell Producers, 11 albums since 06, and unfortunately I only have one of them. Uh, Fell Zero Cult with Aeroplane. That was Caramelas, uh, or Karma, I guess Caramelas, Karma Mayas. I don't know. Um, that is a one-off that came back in 07. There are, of course, a bunch of artists named uh, Aeroplane. Um, uh, this is a dude named Vido Di Luca. Um, he is a Belgian fella. Uh, he did one album in 2010 called We Can't Fly, an absolute mess of singles. The only one I have is what I played today, which is um, from 07, Aeroplane. Followed, uh, or I'm sorry, um, uh, well, it's confusing because actually the artist's name is Aeroplane, but the release is, there's two, there's a song I'm called Aeroplane and uh, uh, Carmela is the one I played today. Then uh, something which I know for a fact is not on Discogs. Uh, <clears throat> Jungil spelled all caps with lowercase i like it was a, I don't know, Where's Release Group in 1991. Name of the song is LSD is the Bomb. Now, significant here, of course, is that ad is making use of a sample from a um, infamous episode of uh, the preachy 60s police TV show Dragnet. Um, but beyond the fact that it's making use of the famous sample from that show, that name uh, and use of that sample was uh, predated by them by... Um, I'm going to say uh, 
25 to 30 years because we're going back to 1991 by an act called Radioactive Goldfish. If I'm not mistaken, they were out of Florida. They were American. Um, they did a buzzy hands in your face rave anthem called LSD the bomb is the bomb, which uses, makes use that same exact sample, which is not a particularly good song, but it came out at exactly the right time, 1991, and made such cheeky and effective use of an even then famous sample that has lived on for 30 years is a very well-known rave classic. Um, and when I found out that some, I don't know, they call it bass music, and I'm not sure I'm willing to accept the idea that, and it is a thing, but I'm not sure to accept the idea that bass music is a genre unto itself. The bass music artist Jungil did, within the last year or two, LSD is the bomb, I got my hands on it and found out that I could work it into a set I did because I love that sample. Uh, Fall Jungle with Tycho, that was Overlook, which is from the album Sunrise Projector, which came out back in 04, which is insanely expensive and um, incredibly um, just difficult and uh, stressful to get your hands on on the used market because it was self-released by Tycho when it was a one-piece. The cheapest one for sale, which is not even in great shape, is $100 plus shipping because screw you. Um, I pirated because that particular song has not been re-released on anything else, uh, which is unlike Tycho because they love to re-release their material. Followed Tycho with Eastern Sun. That was uh, We Are One, which is from the album of the same name, which came out back in 2009. East this Eastern Sun is um, a fellow named uh, Brian Saitzik. He records under a couple different artists, uh, different aliases, Eastern Sun, uh, Databent, and uh, Pneumatic Soul. I haven't dug that too much into his um, back catalog, I have We Are One from 09 and Integrate from 2012, both of which are um, uh, capable and uh, well-constructed down-tempo albums. You will definitely hear more Eastern Sun and probably have actually heard more Eastern Sun on the show in the past. And then we closed out with something I hadn't planned, but it fit in, so I did it. Imagination's Flashback. That is some uh, very early 80s uh, post-disco uh, radio-friendly dance pop, call it what you will. Imagination was a um, bunch of black dudes from England, in fact. Um, as a matter of fact, they barely had formed the band uh, when they dropped, uh, recorded and dropped Imagination. They formed in early 81, and that song, I think, came out in summer 81. Um, and it really sounds like 81 because it's after disco had begun to fade, at least among white audiences. Um but uh, there were still people who wanted to go out and dance, and that song um, was quite successful in their native England. I don't know how it did over here at the time. I was a kid. Uh, but it lives on in the modern era because it's on the soundtrack to the Grand Theft Auto uh, 5 uh, video game and one of the in-game radio stations. I'm not sure which one. And that means an entire generation that was born, I don't know, a decade, a decade and a half, or even farther after them when the original song came out in 81, got to hear it and quite like it because it's a pretty good song, even if it a little bit quirky and dishy for what I normally play on Test Tone. Found a way to work it in tonight. I'm Knuckle Dragger. This has been a special. We're going to end with something we didn't plan on edition of Test Tone. Jordan you heard, I do this every Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight, invariably later, here on Mixler.com. I will be back next week for more of the same, only decidedly different. Thank you for listening.